And now to the latest on the coronavirus. The United States is reporting the highest number of deaths in a single day. Breaking news tonight, the coronavirus forcing millions more Americans into yeah, virtual. He has said uh, before this point that we are on the brink of shutting down again. He on doubled average, down on that. more than 4,700 people are dying around the world from COVID-19 linked illnesses every 24 hours. From January 1st, 2020, the Daily News read like an over-the-top disaster movie script. One an agent might describe as outlandish and not very realistic, but a page-turner nonetheless. So how did a year that was more outlandish than any movie affect the industry that makes them? My name is Ana Sierra, and for the past decade, I have worked as an assistant director in the film industry and a production coordinator in the commercial world. I am currently a COVID coordinator, working with the second biggest production studio in the U.S. In this podcast, I'll take you through everything from the obvious to the intricate to help document how one of the most historic years in U.S. history completely reshaped the way we tell stories. Imagine you're in a big, open swimming pool, lounging on one end, wearing your brand new white bathing suit. Suddenly, someone walks up to the opposite end of the pool and starts pouring buckets of red dye into the pool. Slowly, the color starts creeping toward you, and by the time you're able to swim to the ladder and get out, your new suit is now red. Now, imagine it's two pools instead. Someone pours dye into the one you're not sitting in, but there's a lot of other people in that red dye-filled pool, and they all get out and come jump in your pool instead. Now your suit is pink. The more pools you add to this analogy, the less likely to be affected your swimsuit becomes. This is the zone system the Safeway Forward describes. In it, they only detail three zones, A, B, and C. The simplest way to put this is Zone A, people on set. Zone B, people on location, but never on set. Production offices, base camps, inside a vehicle, etc. And Zone C, the rest of the world. Most productions take this a few steps further and have zones within zones. For example, on the productions I run, I typically have at least five zones. Zone 1 is cast and crew members who are allowed within 6 feet of cast. Zone 2 is crew members allowed on set, but more than 6 feet from cast. Zone 3 is crew members allowed on set only when cast is not present. Zone 4 are those on location, but never allowed on set. And finally, there's Zone 5, those who work from home and never visit location at all. The reason these zones are so important is because they dictate how often people get tested. In the last episode, Gig talked about how the bare minimum for everyone to step foot anywhere close to set is to pass a PCR test within 72 hours of their start date. But once you're in, the testing only ramps up from there. Those who work from home obviously require no testing. Those who are never around any talent, my zones three and four, would require at least one PCR per week to stay in protocol. And those in zones one and two require a test every other day, with at least one of those tests every seven days being a PCR. On some productions, zone one persons are tested every day. But testing alone isn't the only thing that makes each zone different. And as much as it helps, 
a little red dye can travel a long way. Tatiana Valin has been in commercials for 15 years, primarily as a production manager. For the past year, she has also picked up coordination jobs in the COVID department to help her learn the process and guidelines. This has helped her to become an efficient and effective UPM during the pandemic, and she has become very familiar with the zone system in pre-production and from a logistical standpoint during production. So aside from just testing frequency, what are the logistical differences in each zone? What they are and aren't allowed to do, where they are and aren't allowed to go, etc. So basically, these zones are based around the talent. And every zone will wear PPE at all times. Zone A is basically being around the talent that performs without a mask or being around the talent when they're prepping before the shoot. Zone B is everybody else that is on set that doesn't need to be in their immediate space. And then zone C are the very few crew members that don't need to be on set or around the talent. And they can be intermingled with other zones, but not closer than six feet and then not longer than 15 minutes. What kind of crew members do you typically find in each zone? Well, you want to keep it really limited um, as much as possible, but zone A can grow a little bit quickly depending on your shoot. So right off the bat, director, producer, AD, camera crew, wardrobe, hair, makeup, sound if you have a sound mixer. The tricky thing with that too is you might also need a secondary member of that team just in case that key gets pulled away or there's some issue you want to always have a backup. And then you definitely want the medic cleared in a best case scenario. They're never entering zone A. They're only entering if they're absolutely needed. Zone B is CCO team, G&E, location manager, craft service. And then zone C is pretty minimal. Sometimes you can get away with the location manager being in zone C. And then security as well could be in zone C. What physical locations usually make up each zone? How do you determine and map these in pre-production? Definitely on the tech scout, you collaborate with the production, the location manager, and the CCO to figure out what your areas are going to be and the accessibility to everything. Everything is going to be based around the talent. So it's their immediate shooting area. It's where they're going to get their hair and makeup done. It's where their talent holding is going to be. And then if you have pass fans, for example, that will also be in the mix of what will make up a zone. From a work-from-home logistical standpoint in pre-production and production, what is it like seeing this zone system in action, and what part do you play keeping them separate? What sort of tools do you use to implement the separation of each zone? Uh, it starts from the beginning, as far as speaking with the crew members and having that discussion with them. Before the shoot, I'll send out a map with the zones labeled, color-coded, so there's no question and people are informed. Making sure that you get all the PPE and have plenty of it and get that in advance. Figure out where areas are to eat and drink because you don't want crew members on set, for example, to pull down their masks and have water. You need to figure out scheduling with the AD to, you know, make sure people have enough breaks, creating different entrances. The list goes on and on. The CCO team should be involved with the AD, speaking to the crew, 
during the safety meeting. Uh, it's constant reminders, definitely a lot of signage and whatever barriers you can create. I love caution tape, <laughs> you know, and signs everywhere. And as far as working from home, if you're working from home as the shoot is taking place, you just have to have faith in the process of having a very trusted CCO team that is taking care of keeping eyes on everybody. Because in production, you want to be on set having eyes on everything. And when you're working from home, that's not possible. What are the biggest issues and challenges that come with this zone system? How does it affect the rest of your job? The time. It's, it's more time consuming. When someone wants to make zone changes, which takes place for some reason, everybody wants to be in zone A, um, that can get tricky. Also, too, when you're trying to coordinate the testing with the zones. If there's a, another crew member that their zone might change, and they're not able to test and you can't make that coordination work, you will have to make it work in the end, but it is something where it's just added layers of challenging details that you have to deal with. Tatiana has a great bird's eye view of the zone system at work, but how does it look from the inside? Cutter Ray Palacios is a COVID compliance supervisor for a multitude of networks and studios here in Los Angeles. Before the pandemic, he was a set medic and has over eight years of experience in production, both in front of and behind the camera. He's the perfect combination to implement the zone system outlined in the Safeway Forward. And he's seen firsthand how it affects every corner of the production's footprint. Boots on the ground, on the day, what is it like seeing this zone system in action? And what part do you play keeping them separate? What sort of tools do you use to implement the separation of each zone? So the zone system uh, can take on a lot of different forms. And what I've noticed is depending on the production you may be on, it will either take on a geographic location or it'll take on a situational circumstance. And what I mean by that is I've been on some productions that say the interior house where we're filming is our hot set and that's going to be zone A no matter what. If you're not zone A, you can't even enter it, regardless of if everyone's wearing PPE. Then I've had some productions that'll say zone A is only in effect when cast members are not wearing their PPE. At that point, we're in zone A. So that's now a, a situational circumstance. And what these zones are basically designed to do is create an administrative barrier on how people are operating or working within the set. And so if you have people who are on an infrequent testing schedule, they're not mixing in with people who are testing on a more regular basis or more frequent basis and are interacting within the close quarters. So when we talk about like who's a close contact, we're really looking at who's been within six feet of another person for a period of 15 minutes over a span of 24 hours. And so we don't want a zone B person or someone who's infrequently tested, especially like a zone C or zone C coming in with um, a zone A because we don't really know their status based on those test results. A couple of tools we're gonna use to determine those zones and kind of create those barriers, right, is I've seen some pretty creative things. I've seen people work with the lighting department to set up these color, um, colored lights that'll flash. So before you're walking on into the set, it'll be like zone A is red and then you'll see like this flashing red light as you're coming in. Like you, you know like, oh, that's my zone light. If it's red, I can't go in because I'm zone B. And then when you go into zone B, it'll be a steady 
yellow light, which is, which is pretty cool. Other times, you know, if you don't have that type of technology, then you rely very heavily on physical barriers. So like I was talking about earlier is the, the house. So maybe you're relying on that front porch going in where people have to um, kind of funnel into the house through that front door. You would post someone up there who's aware of what zone we're in and double checking people as they're coming into that space. Whether that's with their badge, that'll be colored as either red, yellow, whatever color they may be using, or it'll even be uh, like a wristband. I see a lot of times wristbands are being used. And then from there, you even have like sub pods or sub zones, like A1, A2, A3, and all those little numbers and letters are indicators of what they can do and who they can be with. And that also helps your COVID monitors and your CCO or your COVID compliance supervisor sort of assess the uh, situation or the circumstances and see what adjustments need to be made. How does this system help subvert potential exposure? Kind of going back to what I was saying on, depending on where people are in their testing regimen or cadence, the zone tells us what cadence someone is on. So we know that zone A is getting tested at least three times a week. The zone Bs are getting tested once a week. And when, we, when we're looking at the virus, the virus can remain undetected for a long time because it has a very high false negative probability or possibility, right? At any given time, the test can run on a false negative 20 to 80% of the time or even 100% of the time, depending on where you are in your cycle. So if you've just been exposed to the virus and you get tested, you're not going to come up positive, right? So you're looking at 100% chance of a false negative. It isn't until about day eight or nine into the virus with symptoms that we start seeing the test be more sensitive towards the virus and, and coming up as a positive. But even then we're looking at about a 20% chance of a false negative. So when we're looking at these zones and, we're, and it's telling us, you know, whether you're zone A or zone B on what cadence of testing you're in, it's giving us little snapshots in time of where you may be with that virus. So if we're testing you three times over the course of a week, that means we get three little snapshots in time over a course of seven days. And if you end up being positive or having the virus, it gives us more opportunity to detect it on an early detection right? We're hoping that we're testing you asymptomatic. If you're symptomatic, you shouldn't even be on set. So the goal is by testing you frequently, we're going to catch that viral load as it starts to build into your system early enough that you're not going to spread it among other people. For those that we're not testing as frequently, so one times a week, the goal is to keep you separated and not considered a close contact to anyone. You have to be maintaining six feet apart from people while working. You always have to have your mask on and you can't be around people with their masks off. Right? So we're keeping them in open spaces and we're keeping the, the workspace that they're um, interacting with with a nice flow throughout the set. Right? Um, in those ways, we're able to minimize the risk of someone who's maybe not been detected with the virus because of they are not testing frequency from interacting with other people. That's the goal, at least. If someone does test positive, what is the protocol? How is it different for each zone? So when someone tests positive, it's going to depend on the studio. Everyone has, has different protocols. Generally, from what I've noticed, the, the baseline is you want to isolate that person as soon as possible if they're on set. Take them off to the side and isolate them into the room. Sometimes they may have you do a test right then and there just to collect that sample. Other times you, you break news to them and you send them home and then the nursing staff will set up at-home testing kit or have them get tested with their doctor. It really just depends on what those protocols are. From that point, as a COVID compliance officer, I start setting up cleaning. At the same time, I'm also doing contact tracing to identify any other places where they may have been and who they may have been engaged with. From contact tracing, I then take that to production, make the recommendations, and we sort of talk about it because we may end up seeing 
that we might have to make some changes in the production schedule, depending on the extent of that contact tracing. What is contact tracing and how is it done? So basically contact tracing is to figure out who has been in close contact with someone who has tested positive. The reason why contact tracing is super important, right? So identifying those close contacts, which is 15 minutes within six feet of someone over the span of 24 hours, going back 48 hours from the first onset of symptoms or the positive test. A little bit confusing, but basically if you're experiencing symptoms, or you've tested positive, contact tracing starts 48 hours before that moment. And we're looking for anyone who has been within six feet of that person for 15 minutes accumulatively over time. Not in a 15 minute period of like, oh, from 6 p.m. to 6.15, I was with them. No, like every, you know, we count every two minutes or five minutes, we kind of add it up over time over that 24 hour period. So that's, that's basically what contact tracing is. And if I don't have timestamps available or if there's a gap in time, I'm usually asking the person, you know, walk me through your day at work. Look through your phone. Did you have any text messages? Is that going to jog your memory? I'll even use a call sheet. Sometimes I'm making notes on my call sheet of like, oh, um, what time did we start this scene? When did we move on to this scene? When did we uh, change shots or camera setups, right? Because even those things, I'm like, oh, I remember, like when we flipped the world or, or, and, or when we were seeing a 360, what were you doing during that time? Because sometimes they may remember that instance and that'll help jog their memory of who they were with. What happens to someone who goes down to contact tracing? They usually get quarantined. And even that now with the, with the new year has kind of changed. So I know that some productions are still going with the 14 day recommended from the CDC. But the CDC has recently came out with, you know, shorter recommendations, if necessary, with a test, right? So it really depends on which production and what their protocols are. Can someone test out of quarantine after going down to contact tracing? What about testing out of isolation if they test positive? This is probably the biggest question I get from producers when someone tests positive. Because like, what are we really looking at here? Unfortunately, you can't test out of quarantine. The way this virus works, your incubation period is, you know, anywhere between 2 to 14 days. Sometimes longer, very rarely is it longer than that. But yeah, we're looking at incubation period. So how long it takes for that virus to work into your system before you become infectious. So from that 2 to 14 days, that's why the CDC recommends a 14-day quarantine. And it's also the reason why you can't test out of it. So let's say you're considered a close contact to someone and we test you two days after and you come back negative and you feel totally fine. But what if that virus has actually been in the incubation period a little bit longer and five days after your contact, you end up getting symptoms and you get sick. What happens if you're zone B and you start getting symptoms and you don't tell anyone? Now, hopefully it doesn't happen, you know, and hopefully you're able to catch the symptoms. But that's when we really start looking at, like, if you are considered a contact, you just can't test out of it just for that safety. Now, the question of, like, what about testing out of isolation if they test positive? This is an interesting one, and I feel sometimes controversial because, according to the CDC, if you test positive, you have to isolate yourself for 10 days. But then sometimes when I've worked on a studio, it'll say if you test positive, then you can retest that person uh, a second time. And if they come back negative, then you retest them for a third time. And if that comes back positive, then they have to isolate 10 days from that day. Other times, it'll be if they test negative, then they're cleared for work and they can return. But yeah, I've seen that happen. And then when we look at Los Angeles, where a, a huge portion of the 
um, TV and film, you know, operates. They even say that a confirmed case is with a PCR test that's come back positive and you cannot retest for a period of 24 hours. So it's important that you may be looking at the union guidelines and you may be looking at your studio guidelines, but you always have to remember to look at your local jurisdiction guidelines as well, because they may even stipulate further COVID protocols that may be not covered in the union or in your, uh, your studio, which starts operating on a national level, right? So there we have it, how we can continue to work in one of the least socially distanced industries in the world while maintaining some semblance of normalcy as well as safety. But does this system really keep the whole crew safe? Or is it more a hierarchy of who's the most expendable? And if you are deemed to be one of the expendable ones, what kind of effect does that have on you? On your work ethic? On your willingness to sacrifice for this job? And even more importantly, on your psyche? By being tested only once a week, does that put you and your fellow Zone B crew in more danger than the other zones? Obviously, you're still keeping all other social distancing guidelines. Masks, face shields, washing your hands and sanitizing your gear, staying six feet apart, sticking to your work pod. But you're not just passing these people by for 15 minutes on a grocery run. You're spending 12 hours a day with them, five days a week. So I asked my guests for their opinion. So, Tatiana, does this zone system actually help with the safety of the entire crew in general? Or does it exist more to serve the cast and only the key members of the crew? I think it's helpful to everyone because if we didn't have our production guidelines in place about zones, everybody would be close together. Everybody would be more relaxed in their PPE and how communicating with their mask down or drinking water on set or whatever. This is just, you know, it's a worldwide pandemic and we need to try our best in something that is out of our control at the moment to control our workspace. And we've done really well in commercials, but you do hear of crew members getting sick. If, if crew members are gonna complain, you know, it's, it's wearing thin on a lot of us. We're going into year two of this. I can understand that, but no, I think, I personally think that it is to protect everybody. I asked Cutter the same question. When we're looking at safety protocols, they're sort of layered. You can't rely on just one to, to keep the crew safe. You know, zone systems of controlling uh, who has access to certain spaces on top of the testing, on top of the PPE, on top of the cleaning, that all works together to keep a crew safe. The zone system doesn't work if people don't adhere to it. So if you have a zone B of your rigging crew and your rigging crew is all hanging out together and they're snacking and eating with their masks off, then yeah, the zone system isn't going to work because they're not actually adhering to what the zone system is. But if you adhere to what the zone system says or is intended to be, then it actually is a really great and effective way to protect your crew. 